Hello and welcome to a podcast of the Lotus Eaters. And I'm joined by Stelios. Hello. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about the fact that Ireland has decided to triple down, which I didn't think it'd be making so soon, but uh, Jesus bloody Christ, can you calm down for five minutes? Also, Schellenberger decides to drop a new file, which is going to be spicy, I suppose. Oh, yes. And also the ban on fat phobia, which... <laughs> the year of fat liberation. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's one of my joys in life. Is... I think you will really enjoy the segment. <laughs> I like making fun of fat people. I'm excited. I'm excited. Do you, is it, it can't be just be me, but when you see someone who's like not fat, but obese, you know, the, my 400 pound life people, where they take up a whole bed, but you get physical revulsion, like you're looking at cockroaches or spiders, right? <laughs> no? I mean, it's uh, extra motivation to be healthy. Oh, I just mean like it's, a, it's an instinctual thing where it's like, oh God, what's happening there? <laughs> you feel utterly repulsed. Yeah. Not, <laughs> it can't just be me, right? Probably not, no. All right. <laughs> anyway, so before we head on, we have uh, an announcement to make, which is after this podcast, we're going to be having some more fun in which we can uh, say more things like that that won't be on YouTube, such as the lads hour here, the, the view for men as it has been described. And this episode is on, is the right getting any wins? So do come and join and we'll be uh, chatting shit. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into the news, I suppose. So Ireland has tripled down. Now, for people who aren't aware, um, a bus got burned down in Ireland. That's the whole story. People were very upset about that. So they, they tried to crush everyone who was upset for some reason and decided to burn down a bus. And that doubling down was kind of gross, where it was the case that anyone who was upset about children being stabbed were the bad ones. But not as bad as people who burnt buses. It upset oh, yeah. their feelings. That was a weird response. That had to be mitigated. It's harmful. And and I thought it would have calmed down a little bit, but no, they, they've full-on tripled down in the case of uh, trying to shut down anyone who has any criticism of the state. And you can see it here. I mean, Ireland has now become the focus of a lot of global attention, particularly for the Americans, of course. Mm. Because um, for better or worse, I mean, Romantic Ireland is a funny idea and something that I think lives in much of the Anglosphere's mind mm -hmm. because you guys are a good meme, if nothing else. And as you can see, a lot of memes came out of it. Ireland for the Irish in the 1900s, Yas Queen. 2023, Nazi bigot, racist, fascist. Of course. Okay. Calm. And <laughs> it's not the only meme. Even the Babylon people <laughs> jumping in. Ireland declares asking an immigrant to stop stabbing you a hate crime. <laughs> very, very sad day. Quite a tongue twister, that one. <laughs> yeah. And um, then the news came out from, of course, not Ireland, Northern Ireland, so Britain. Oh, that's going to cause a schism. But <laughs> Northern Ireland here in Belfast. Oh, yes. Anti-immigration signage declared a hate incident. A lot of Americans um, just assumed this was Ireland because, I guess, well, let's not get into that debate, shall we? Yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> After visiting Northern Ireland recently as well, I mean, I'm no like British nationalist, so frankly, meeting the people there, they're probably, if they had a referendum, would join the Republic at this point. Yeah. Maybe not after the stabbings and the responses. Mm. Don't know, but we'll, we'll find out. No. But here's the news. As you can see there, there is a Bit of graffiti, a disgusting message. Irish lives matter. How disgusting. Yes. <sighs> so bigoted. Call the cops. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the only one that caused this investigation by the British police. There is uh, another sign down here that says, uh, take note, Suffolk will no longer accept the rehousing of illegal immigrants or the excrement of other communities. Now, they've 
blurred out the word excrement there. You're not really sure why. It's not a swear word. No. Like, do you not want people to understand what the news is? So I guess yeah. not. So come here and I'll, I'll find it and then mm. tell you it. But anyway, they say in here the news, which is the, a sign which has appeared in the Teldag Avenue area, says that the community will no longer accept the rehousing of illegal immigrants. And, um, well, there's been a couple of responses. First and foremost, to the disgusting messages, as you can see here, of Irish Lives Matter, Sinn Féin have issued a statement. Oh, the, uh, the Irish nationalists, supposedly, quote-unquote. Yeah, they've described it as disgraceful. Ah. All right. Okay. You remember now? You, so you, so you Brits remember out, you... migrants in, basically. Yes. Yeah. I can't it, wrap I my head around that. It's yeah. fun, but if you remember the BLM riots, there it was, you know, Black Lives Matter. It was from the progressive side and All Lives Matter on the other side. Now it's Irish Lives Matter, but this is apparently no good. No, the Irish have been declared white now. Now they should so. say All Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> they might try, but instead Sinn Féin have gone with that... Uh, these messages were erected in an attempt to create fear and intimidate people. Okay. okay. Right. Thank you, Irish Nationalist Party, for that one. Yeah. Uh, the People Before Profit Party, they, they decided to issue a statement. Weird name, whatever. They say it has no place in our society for this kind of racist poison. Racist poison? We're looking at Irish Lives Matter there. Okay. Interesting. Right. Yeah, I don't want to rehouse the rest of the world. I just would like to have my own community and Irish Lives Matter. Yeah, that's that's now denounced mm. by the Nationalist Party. Okay, <laughs> cool. But that fellow from uh, People Against Profit, he did actually issue a, a longer statement where he, he published it here. Oh, wow. He says that he condemns the thugs who erected and scrawled racist slogans in West Belfast. We, we are talking about the Irish Lives Matter thing, as you can see there. Yeah. He includes that in the racist slogans. This isn't, I condemn one sign, but obviously Irish people matter. No, both of them are scum messaging. Right. He says, quote, We are under no illusions that Irish Lives Matter is a racist slogan, which is directly counterposed to movements against the oppression faced black people and other ethnic minorities. I haven't read that wrong. That's how he wrote it. No, Broken no, English. I just... For some reason. Ireland yeah. has one of the worst hate speech bills. Yes. Where they are saying that it is not just the dissemination of hateful content, but also the possession of hateful content that can get you in trouble. And this has to do with uh, alienating with your speech, allegedly, some communities with protected characteristics. And it's entirely arbitrary. Apparently, that's interesting because it shows that for... The Irish government, the Irish government, are, uh, the Irish identity is not a protected characteristic. It's not something to protect, and this is the basic thing that states need to do. They, first of all, their first obligation is to protect their people. And according to this hate speech bill and this government, they're just saying that that's hate. It's you shouldn't demand that from us. So it's absolute lunacy. This is entirely true. Just to make one correction, again, this is in Northern Ireland. So this is uh, the British government here are investigating it. But ah, the, okay. the conversation did spread south immediately yeah. of, is Irish Lives Matter yeah, yeah. a hateful statement? And the exact response that you're describing is the exact conversation they had, which is the same one. I, I'm North. willing to bet that they said yes. Yes. Yes, they did. Disgusting <laughs> 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 place. I've, I've, interviewed, I've interviewed uh, David Thunder, a political philosopher and researcher who was talking about it. And we were talking about the Irish uh, hate uh, speech bill. It's important to note as well that we still have the Communications Act of 2003, yeah. where possession of grossly offensive, quote unquote, material on your phone. If you send that, 
yeah. to anyone. Uh, you can be, I think it's, uh, I want to say it's £5,000 fine and uh, uh, up to a year to or two in jail. year or two, yeah. yeah. But even offline, we had those posters, you may remember, I think in Bournemouth and a few other places that said, it's okay to be white and the police did investigate oh, it as yes. a hate crime. Yeah. Never found the yeah. criminals, the masterminds behind those posters. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's but, now spread to Northern Ireland. Let me just make a point. What you said uh, involves the dissemination of content that is considered to be hateful. Whereas in the in the Irish uh, state, they have moved one step further. Yes, they say it's just the possession. We're one so if you step have means, away, you're in trouble. I do love Count Dankula's response to saying that Irish lives matter is a racist slogan. The only person I can imagine being this angry about that phrase is Cromwell. Mm. Well, he's not wrong. It's not wrong. They try to kill them all. But this moves us to the south, and um, this is the tripling down effects. Because I thought, okay, they doubled down. That was stupid. This backfired massively. They're going to shut up now. Yeah. No one's going to want to talk about the situation. They're just going to say, don't look back in anger. Norway, Israel doesn't do that, but just shut up, shut up. <laughs> no, instead, we can see here, this is the former Lord Mayor of Dublin who decided to come out and demands that journalists, it is their job to encourage unity in a moment like this. Oh. I'm not kidding either. When there are children, being uh, the children that is going through senseless violence, the, the first point of call is unity, John. The first point of call is to make yeah, sure so that everyone weird. is safe. <laughs> no, everyone is safe and that you are a, a united front. So you, unity no, means... No, 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 wait, wait. You, you, you said that we didn't interrupt you, so please don't okay. interrupt me. My point is, in a united front and responsible journal, uh, journalism, you send out a message to say what has happened, the facts behind it, and what should happen then. You do not start describing perpetrators and send okay. out... A Unity of what? Don't state facts. Call for yeah. unity. Unity of no facts. Yeah. Unity of no facts, indeed. Unity oh. of diversity. And she's um, reflective of the entire Irish elite, by the seams, because mm. the story also broke that, as you can see here reported, Elon Musk's ex did not take down, quote, vile messages despite the Irish police requests, the Justice Minister said. Rightio! Right, okay. That's interesting. And it wasn't just that they decided to send a bit of a, a message on WhatsApp. Apparently, they activated, as you can see here, they're the first member state to trigger an alert under the EU's powerful new legislation on online hate speech. So they basically went to Daddy EU to do this yep. for them. Yeah. Because, of course, they want to try and destroy X on the entire European front, not just in Ireland, of course. And, well, the Irish government then decided to have a bitching session. <laughs> they sat around whining about Elon Musk. Section 10,978. Let's <laughs> listen, I guess. I spoke yeah. to a detective uh, in Pier Street on Saturday who was actively engaged with the social media companies throughout Thursday. Who was actively engaged with TikTok, actively engaged with Meta, so Instagram and Facebook, who was actively engaged with Twitter or X. She said very clearly that social media companies, in particular TikTok and Meta, they were responding, they were engaging with Gardaí, and they were taking down these vile posts as they came up. X were not. X were not. They didn't engage. They did not fulfil their own community standards. And that is why we are moving to a situation where these companies do not get to self-monitor. That's why Commission Man has been established, to make sure that these companies are held responsible, because while some were responsible, others were not. So let me reassure you, Gardaí, who do you trust more? <laughs> Great trust, question. You trust the Elon Musk and his uh, new regime of Twitter in which they focus on getting rid of child porn, not meme words. 
that they are more responsible at being able to get rid of actual criminal speech, or these guys who refuse to show you what post they're talking about? Well, it's, it's really annoying because if you remember in the last uh, decades, there has been a shift towards uh, talking about corporate responsibility and what responsibility corporations have and you know, people or whatever, but it's never about the government. No. It's never about the government being upheld in standards. It's always people from the government not protecting their own people, which is their number one obligations. The obligation telling others that they're not, let's say, fulfilling their community standards. Yeah. The number one community standard that she and her government have to fulfill is to protect the Irish people. And they're not doing that. But no, the real threat is to the immigrants who might have to read mean words on the That's internet. true. That's very true. You have to remember as well, I mean, we don't think like these establishment bobbleheads. So in their mind, they're doing, they're doing good by getting rid of, uh, of mean words and no, we must protect this, this community or that community. So yeah, it's, it's important to remember that they live in another realm, like in another headspace. I think some of them do, but I think that may be a bit too um, good yeah. an interpretation, too charitable. Okay. I think some of them just deliberately don't care. Well, let's look at the evidence, shall we? Because here's one of them. Here's a professor of European politics over here who responded with either he should play by our rules or we throw him out. <laughs> the response being, okay, Stalin, <laughs> from Americans who are just like, we don't really care if we lose the Irish Twitter market. It's not really a problem. What is a problem is free speech because yeah. they're the only platform of mass media who actually defend it. And it is literally down to one autistic boy <laughs> and one autistic boy was recently asked about the censorship and did respond with oh, yeah. a pretty good response. So I am going to play it, but yeah. here we go. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, Go fuck yourself. But go <laughs> fuck yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. I mean, I can't argue with that. I have my skepticism with Musk, but I can't argue with that. I mean, it, it is a bit cynical because if they're saying, you know, free speech is a problem, mm. it is. Imagine if we, we were running a country and people were allowed to speak and criticize us. Jesus, the things that might happen. Oh, gosh. That might be political reform and the people in charge might try and defend the Irish people. God, we can't let that happen. Can't let that happen, no. There was another clip that I saw out of this meeting, which is hilarious because it's so relevant, but I didn't find it in time to put it in, is uh, Musk being asked about the specifically the ADL, trying to blackmail him here, as you can see. But so much relevant to Ireland where he just says he's so sick of people who like to be seen as if they're doing good but really are doing evil. Yeah. And it's entirely the case here as well. And speaking of evil, I mean, this guy decided to come out. Oh, yeah, I saw this. Local politician. Oh. <laughs> so this is, um, this is Fianna Fáil councillor Azed Telkutter, who says, I'd like to see them shot in the head or bring the public in and beat them until they die. Mm. He's talking here of the people who burnt the bus. Interesting. Not the not the people who stabbed children. No, 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 no. We we must wait for the evidence and send them through the legal ah, system. But for people who burn buses who are Irish, they need to be shot in the head or beaten to death by mm. the members of the public. 
He did withdrew these comments, saying it was pure emotion. Ah. Mm. And it's his but job felt to the be need, emotional. But felt the need to publicly announce that. Yeah. He had no emotional outbursts about the stabbing of the kids. But he had a real emotional outburst about that bus. Now he was really connected you, to that bus. Now, can you imagine what he might be saying in private? Yeah, I'd like to check his phone if we could for some hate speech. <laughs> but uh, this guy as well, just some background. Someone did manage to find he has literally been promoting programs to get illegal aliens um, to be able to just skirt the system. In this case, he's just providing people with a pathway to citizenship, even though their first interaction with the Irish nation was... <laughs> I'm not paying for a visa. Yeah. She's going to break in. You know what is a bit funny and ironic? Is that people like that who constantly claim to be the best uh, Spotifyers of hate speech, they just see this and it passes under the radar. Yeah. And also it happened also... It literally calls for the death of people, but I'm against hate speech. In the the Canadian (laughs) parliament where they were clapping all... Yeah. A particular person. We are against yeah. hate and talk divers. But anyway, so you guys... <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, okay, Trudeau. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bit of a weird one. Yeah. But yeah, that happened. <laughs> and I have to ask the question because from a from an English perspective, looking at mm. the Irish nation, I mean, they're, they're a little bit separated from the Anglosphere because okay. of course, they're not Anglos, but they do speak English. Okay. So it's uh, they're a weird kind of couple of years behind, it seems. And it seems they were infected with the same ideological nonsense that the rest of us have been in our elites. And we can see this because someone did put a, a lovely uh, section all together here, as you can see, of a bunch of statements from Irish politicians. And it's really quaint. I mean, it's like being in 2016. So let's, let's have a listen. Uh, just to remind ourselves as well, we're talking about the Irish. While it's true that the Irish have known uh, a fair share of, of oppression, the reality is uh, during that oppression, we still maintained our, our invisibility cloak of white privilege. And we often hear about white privilege and oh. it hadn't really occurred to me that I had white privilege as well. Oh. But now, oh. listening to you, I understand that I do have a privilege. I think we shouldn't forget that our parliament still looks very male, oh. very stale and pale. Oh, of mate. course you can I'm say that. You're a middle-class white man. So you view the law completely different to somebody who is a traveller, to somebody who is uneducated to somebody who's maybe a member of the Roma community. So it is very, very different. <laughs> you know that the law doesn't treat you the same. Nice. It doesn't treat you the same. You as a white privileged man, how does my debt impact your life? I think it's worth putting on the record of, of this house um, <laughs> that that concept of, of white privilege and, and how that can be uh, normatised in our own lives. And, you know, we, we as, and, as we develop white as a society women. and yep. a more racially integrated society, I think Burr we need to become more and more happened, conscious of that uh, within our own politics and, and the advantage that that has brought. But the corollary being that your whiteness is itself an advantage and to really understand that. I often observe young people as they walk together. One of their party or two of their party will be uh, uh, from, you know, their, their background maybe from a different country and they are, you know, celebrating that and they're engaged in that much more so than the very dull, white, pasty Ireland that I Brilliant. grew up in. I- so, Brilliant. So Ireland dull, is- white, pasty. Yeah. Do you know what I think? Alan Partridge, when he's sitting around saying, there is more to Ireland than this. That's the first <laughs> thing I thought of. That's Hamza Yusuf shape-shifting. Yeah. Oh, my days. I've never seen that before. So that was a a raw reaction there. You can see the dates. They're all from the 2020s. This isn't 2015, Ah. 2016, 2012 or something. This is a very, very recent conversation. Yes. Ireland is Irish. 
that's 2023 a problem. That that is indeed a yeah. 2023. That's that I see that though as extremism. Like I genuinely oh, see that as extremism. It is. I mean, if yeah. it's extreme, that's totalitarianism. Yeah, it's not 100%. the kind of uh, behaviors that they are one that they are talking about in people mm. who want to protect their country. That's totalitarian. Yeah, hundred percent. That's massive restriction of liberties. 100%. I mean, I, I am fully on board with the idea that maybe the British need to help the Irish nationalists in some kind of special military operation to denazify the Irish state because what the hell are they doing? What the hell are you doing with yourselves? I mean, I'm sorry, it is it is utterly ridiculous in the rest of the Anglosphere, but to see the Irish doing it is doubly mental because, of course, of their history of not being the on-top faction, saying the least, mm. but also them sitting there being like, damn, the Easter Rising was so male, pale, and stale so was the Civil War. Yeah. So were the IRA. Yeah. So was everything. I don't know yeah. what the point in this is, other than they have imported American speech, and of yeah. course being progressive American language, not the right-wing Americans, and just shoved it into their dialectic. And it comes out as just complete garbage, as you can hear from these people talking here, where it's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm. And it's like, man, it's so pale, stale, and male in here. You're Irish. <laughs> For the love of Christ, you're not even white. <laughs> it's just madness. And, and this is the tripling down I'm, I'm talking about. And that goes on for three minutes. We only played a minute oh, and a half. Oh, me. But it's just... Let's go to the Irish progressives, I suppose, to end this off, because they had some things to say. Since when did Conor McGregor become the voice <coughs> of the I Irish freedom when he has no issue with wearing the imperialist emblem of revenge, sorry, remembrance of those who murdered <laughs> and military occupy Ireland on behalf of a foreign government? Now, I assumed he was wearing a little swastika badge. You want to see what he's wearing? I know. The poppy. poppy of course. Remember those who died in World War I? Sorry, yeah. what the, which, includes, which includes the Irish. <laughs> it's you it's, as well who died yeah, there. It's Can you so scroll silly. up a bit? Joshua. Sure, sure. What did you want to read? That's imperialist emblem of remembrance. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a yeah, flower yeah. that grew in the ground on top of the yeah. dead, which includes the Irish. That's yes. massive skin suiting from the Irish government. Utterly disgusting. I did love uh, one of the responses in here, which someone said, the moment Conor McGregor came out against the stabbing of Irish children, that's when you people turned on him? Yeah. That's more yeah. revealing. Than that is more revealing. You know, another issue that they, they don't talk about crime and drugs in Dublin. All people who just went there and some of them caused trouble and stuff. They don't talk about it as an isolated incident. When it's something that, you know, when, when some crimes are being committed from one side, it's always an isolated incident. But when it, when something happens, when a bus burns down, when a bus burns down, it's never an isolated incident. On the other side, it's a pattern. It's a horrific tragedy. This country will never recover from. We'll go to an average socialist, as she sells herself. <laughs> uh, my daughter is the only Irish child in her crash. Okay, mm. every one of her amazing carers is an immigrant and uh, has shown endless love. And then she's saying her heart has been broken because a message was sent out saying they're closing the crash early so that the staff can go home early? Because... Right. What? Why? The riots. Ah. Uh, there's no threat to their life, obviously. Well, obviously so not. I, I do love... I mean, one of the responses in here was, if a white person refused to show up to work because they were afraid of black people after a BLM riot, the response would not be concern and understanding. <sighs> Tell those immigrants that they are racist and fire them without severance pay. I mean, yeah. If they were white, that's what you'd do to them. I love how uh, Kate here does just skip over that point. Yeah, My daughter is the only Irish child in her class. Let's we'll just not comment, yeah. shall we? Not, not worth commenting. 
leave that there. Yeah. There was a bunch of other three that went on. You can see here, this was one of the radio hosts that denounced the uh, bus burners as the worst, whereas the gentleman, as he calls him, who stabbed children, mm. was a supreme gentleman. Just a fine chap. <sighs> that didn't go down well. Lady Gaga, there was a concert <laughs> in which, um, for some reason, one of the headliners came on and just started S-talking Conor McGregor. And of course, the Lady Gaga audience were booing him. And then this was circulated a lot to show, look, there's no support for Conor. Don't, don't ever support Conor McGregor. Please. He might overthrow the government. <laughs> it's like, eh. <sighs> Clearly someone's scared. Clearly. And then this went on because now the information started to come out about the stabber himself. So this one here, this is the social protection minister being asked about the fact that he was in the country for years, never worked a day in his life when he had citizenship and was claiming benefits. And he's a foreigner who just turned up and, and screwed over the system, literally exploited it to get citizenship. And she just has no response. Uh, you can watch the full clip if you want. We don't have time. But she ends up just saying that it's a long process getting employment. <laughs> is, it is it 20 years? Did I read it? was something like... Yeah. Yeah. It's 20, 20 years. What a long process. Well, well, here he is. This is the Algerian man in question. Because someone was able to find, as you can see, an article, which is him talking about how he came to the country because he wanted to visit a friend and then just stayed illegally. Right. And uh, in that time, he worked illegally, so suppressing Irish wages by illegally working as a fruit picker. Um, he then became an alcoholic vagrant, as this media report makes clear, where they go through the history of this guy. So he got addicted to alcohol and then became a vagrant. And then, just for some reason, he decided he was a refugee. Oh, just decided. Yes. Woke up. Said it. So right. he applied for asylum on the basis that he claimed he was in fear because he had been tortured by the Islamic militant group in Algeria. And if he returned, my God, the things they would do. He said he was kidnapped and tortured four times by four members from 1998 to early 1999. Uh, he claimed that the torture had taken place in order to get him to reveal details about a family member who worked for the Algerian government. He then made this application and they denied it because it's an obvious lie. Yeah. Obvious. So they uh, decided, well, okay. The suspect was then invited to make applications, quote, in the ordinary way, outlining why, despite this negative recommendation, he should nevertheless be granted leave to remain. He didn't fill in the paperwork. So the government in 2001 issued the deportation order, saying we're not even going to apply. So bye. Mm. And what that means is the police have the right to arrest him and deport him. They did not. Okay. A couple of years later, in May 2003, and in February of 2004, court records show that he then made several unsuccessful applications, but they were made on behalf of the suspect ah, by NGOs. Right. Some people who want the country to have people like this, and people who spend their lives and their money making sure there's more people like this guy. Uh, they made several requests, uh, all of them failed, and then they made another challenge in 2006, it was also failed, and then in 2008, the final challenge was made which was failed. Okay, so then in the later stage of 2008, they made one more challenge, and for some reason, the Irish High Court decided that the government in 2001, that rejected the application in 2001, did not consider the new definition of serious harm that was used in 2008. Yeah. Probably because they're not time travelers. And on that basis, he was granted right to remain. And then he became a person who claimed Irish citizenship, never worked another day in his life and claimed benefits. Yeah. 
it's a broken system, really, to say the least. The worst story. Yeah, you could possibly think. Yeah, and now look what he did. And I just, I'm sorry if 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 that's the thing that happens in your country, the lessons learned are enforced deportation, mm-hmm. enforce enforce who's allowed in and out, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe shore up the police, and instead tripling down on the narrative that yeah, you know what the real problem is, the people who burnt the bus. That's the real tragedy. Conor McGregor saying he might run for parliament. Yeah, that's McGregor, the real threat yeah. to our society. That's the real boogeyman. <laughs> yeah. Not something I expected, but there we are. And on that note, I suppose we shall move on. Brilliant. Hand over the tools of the trade. Thank you very much. Very kind. Masonic symbols, I think. <laughs> Mouse and screen deck. <laughs> so, Michael Schellenberger, the author of Apocalypse Never and helped break the infamous Twitter files with Matt. Uh, Tybee, in which the documents, well, it showed the documents on how Twitter operated, uh, and that was released and showed that there was a coordinated effort between basically the establishment, the FBI, and Twitter, and just how it all operated and censorship and what that entailed. Um, And that coined the expression that we now know as the censorship industrial complex. And I'm sure you guys have heard of that. Well, Schellenberger has now released new documents only the other day, uh, which shows that a whistleblower has sent to him um, more files containing the US and the UK military contractors uh, getting involved with a particular group known as CTIL, which stands for, and I keep forgetting this every time because it's quite long, the Cyber Threat Intelligence League. Which sounds a bit mad. Um, sounds like something out of a cartoon. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> so I thought it would be fun to go through the key points of the article, get your reactions to the article, because I presume you guys haven't read it as of yet, which would be great. Um, and yeah, just get your thoughts and reactions to it. Um, but starting off, I thought we would do a little promotion, uh, which I've added in for your guys' uh, obviously website. And there was a particular article up there called um, Surveillance on Steroids, the Future of Britain. Thank you. So I should learn to do that, actually, <laughs> which is a fantastic article. And I didn't know about in London, uh, we know that CCTV is massive. We know that we pretty much live in um, a beta surveillance state, pretty, pretty much. But I didn't realize that there was one CCTV camera for every 10 people in London. Is that true? That is true, yeah. And you can okay. check out the uh, the article there, um, which was made by John Mack. Um, I want to say it's Glyn. I think that's how you say the surname. Apologies if I've gotten that completely wrong. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic article, um, and it's a serious eye-opener. So more black pills for everyone at home. So yeah, there you go. Take us on a journey then. Shall we take you on the journey? So here is the full article. Um, which is on the public uh, substack. You can quickly find that if you type it in. Uh, That and Michael Schellenberger, which the title is US and UK military contractors created sweeping plan for global censorship in 2018, five years ago. And these new documents show that. A whistleblower makes trove of new documents available to public and racket showing the birth of the, sen- uh, the, the censorship industrial complex in reaction to Brexit and Trump 
Brits' election in 2016, which is uh, pretty mind-blowing. Not in response to ISIS. No, 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 nothing like that. It was Brexit and, of course, Trump being elected. That's the real threat to the West. That's the biggest threat, yeah. Um, so, just to read off, uh, to start with, it says, A whistleblower has come forward with an explosive new trove of documents rivaling or exceeding the Twitter files and Facebook files in scale and importance. They describe the activities of, quote, anti-disinformation group called the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, or CTIL, that officially began as the volunteer project of data scientists and defense and intelligence veterans, but whose tactics over time appear to have been absorbed into multiple official projects, including those of the Department of Homeland Security, the DHS. Uh, the CTI League documents offer the missing link answers to key questions not addressed in the Twitter files and Facebook files. Combined, they offer a comprehensive picture of the birth the anti-disinformation sector, or, or what we have called the censorship industrial complex. Um, the whistleblower's documents describe everything from the genesis of modern digital censorship programs to the role of the military and intelligence agencies, partnerships with civil society organizations and commercial media, and the use of sock puppet accounts and other offensive techniques. Well, what does come to mind with that is... In Britain, we have what is known as the 77th Brigade, which I'm sure you guys have heard of. I'm sure the, the audience know of. Um, so the 77th Brigade basically engages in non-lethal warfare and uses uh, social media to control the narratives and influence online behavior, not for foreign countries, as we know, but for, as well, its own citizens. So it's PSYOPs. PSYOPs, exactly. Um, I believe you guys have covered the 77th Brigade before, yes. Uh, but briefly, um, so we won't go into detail about 77th, but um, there is a comparison between the two. I mean, they were literally spying on Christopher Hitchens. Yes. Sorry, on Peter Hitchens. Yes, yes, sorry, Peter Couldn't Hitchens. Couldn't respond to dead man, could you? No. <laughs> that was during the lockdown periods, but many other journalists as well were uh, yeah, spied on during the time of anti-lockdown rhetoric. Well, Toby was... Young, I think, was also on the list. Yes. Yes, which is uh, scary, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but going back to this, it says, the whistleblower alleges that a leader of C CTI League, a, which is a former British intelligence analyst, was in the room at the Obama White House in 2017 when she received the instructions to create a counter-disinformation project to stop a, quote, repeat of 2016. <laughs> so, okay. I don't know. I don't like the idea of a former British intelligence analyst in the same room as Obama, well, in the White House in 2017, and then was told... Okay, in reaction to Brexit and Trump being elected, um, yeah, we don't want to repeat this. Well, it's just that big a news that the intelligence agencies of the United Kingdom and the United States are both infested with political activists. Really news? No. Because you may remember the CIA advert that everyone made fun of, where it's like, here at the CIA, we're the most intersectional types you can ever <laughs> <Yeah>. meet. <laughs> the hell am I watching? And a lot of people were like, oh, the CIA are just trying to whitewash their crimes. It's like, no. Mm. 
No, these people are real. Yeah. They've now got those jobs. They are literal social revolutionaries in the highest possible realm of power. So when it comes to the wrong person won the election, yeah. and them using that power that they've got, well, they were entrusted with to defend the country, but instead turning it on the country. It's not a surprise, I suppose, but it's great to know that we're right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what's so important about this article um, that has been dropped, because I think the point of this is not only to say, ha, we were right, but more so of we're seeing it through the lens of the deep state and what they actually have been doing, yeah. um, which is incredibly important. Um, but it says that the US Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity and Information Security Agency uh, has been the center of gravity for much of the censorship with the National Science Foundation financing the development of censorship and disinformation tools and other federal government agencies playing a supportive role. So they have the financing from the National Science Foundation, uh, which is pretty big. Um, Internal CTI Slack messages show Terp, who is the person um, that was in the room with the uh, former president, um, her colleagues and officials from DHS and Facebook are all, wo- all working closely together in the censorship process. The CTIL framework and the public-private model are the seeds of what both the US and UK would put into place in 2020 and 2021, including masking censorship within cybersecurity institutions and counter-disinformation a- agendas, a heavy focus on stopping disfavored narratives not just wrong facts and pressurizing, or sorry, and pressuring social media platforms to take down information or take other actions to prevent content from going viral. So yeah, it's all basically a confirmation. And I don't know, I, it's, it's, it's sort of strange to see because on the one hand, so many people were taken down for being called conspiracy theorists, for, for being called... Uh, nut jobs. No, the government isn't spying on you. What are you on about? No, they're not um, conspiring on a on a Discord or a Slack to. Uh, okay, well, here's the guys who did them. Here's what they spied on. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to go from here then? Yeah. <laughs> Vindicated. Um, but this. Uh, I mean, the motive's the worst part because if if yeah, Peter Hitchens or Toby Young or Donald Trump were enemies of the country, that doesn't make any sense. What, they why are would the country. They consider him an enemy of the country. Exactly right, and that's the really big part of this for me is that the intelligence agency is run by activists who have decided the country is the enemy itself. Yes, yes. it's. I I don't I don't know how you you kind of root out, out that problem other than firing them, but you can't at the minute. <laughs> so. It's kind of just... I mean, that, that's a tough issue here because, I mean, this comes to, you could say, secret services. It's very uh-huh. unrealistic to think that you can have a, a new co- a country right now, a contemporary country without secret services. Mm-hmm. The question is, how do, you en- how do you ensure that they are going to serve the interests of the country? And yeah. it seems that if the agenda that they are serving is basically anti, anti-English, they're not doing that. Well, that's more my worry. The person to sorry. Uh, that's more my worry, which is if you have an intelligence agency that is not focused on the enemies of your nation, but instead on targeting your nation, 
you don't have an intelligence agency. You have a state-funded uh, lobby exactly. group, essentially. And, yeah. and, and you have a very authoritarian identification of critics of the establishment with yes. enemies of the people. Yes. Because that's what happens. And that's authoritarian, borderline totalitarian. Yes. Um, well, this Cyber League's approach, according to this article, uh, to, to disinformation went far beyond censorship. The documents show that the group engaged in offensive operations to influence public opinion, uh, discussing ways to promote counter-messaging, co-opt hashtags, dilute disfavored messaging, and create sock puppet accounts and infiltrate private invite-only groups. Yeah, so we've, we've reached a brand new stage now. And we have been in that stage for a long time. And people suspected it. People saw patterns. People saw what was happening. And, uh, well, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, apparently I've gotten, I've gotten something wrong. Lewis, why are you saying that the intelligence officer was in the Obama White House in 2017? Trump was in president then. How could Obama be in the White House? This undermines credibility of the data you're presenting. Uh, actually, I think I've read that completely wrong. Um, at the start, it says two seconds. Well, at what point did they leave? Because you have the election in November 2016. Yeah. Yeah. So I presume it's during that crossover period? Yeah, it is, yeah I believe so, so. Prior to January 20. Or... Yeah. I presume so. Yeah. So in January 2017 or in that crossover period. Because I know there was a lot of tonnery going on then as well. Yeah. Like the narrative building that Donald Trump had won the election because of the Russians came from Hillary Clinton's campaign yeah. after they lost. Yeah, and then was promoted by Obama as well, and it was like, uh, but not just Obama, the FBI, yeah. James Comey, which just, again, yeah, must have happened at the last stage of them handing it over. Well, just to reiterate, it says the whistleblower alleges that a leader of the CTI League, a former British intelligence analyst, was in the room at the Obama White House in 2017, where she received the instructions to create a counter disinformation project to stop a repeat of 2016. So it must have been just before Trump was ushered in. Yeah, so in yeah. that crossover period. Yeah. So the elections in November and then Yeah. So just to reiterate there. I got a bit worried then because I thought I definitely did read that part out. <laughs> Either that or someone messed up, but I I doubt it. No, I I doubt that. Um it says, in one suggested list of survey questions, CTIL proposed asking members or potential members, quote, have you worked with influence operations, for example, disinformation, hate speech, or digital harms um, previously? The survey then asked whether these influence operations include, quote, active measures and psyops. And the league's ultimate goal, said the whistleblower, was to become part of the federal government. Um, and in our weekly me meetings, this is the quote here, they made it clear that they were building these organizations within the federal government. And if you built the first iteration, we could secure a job for you. So basically saying, come and work for us or, yeah, we can actually offer you stability in that respect. Um, Terp's plan, which she shared in presentations to information security and cybersecurity groups in 2019, was to create misinfo uh, sec communities, quote, uh, that would include the government. Because this particular league was supposed to operate, quote, independently, right, to counter things such as cyber attacks and stuff like that. But then the government and NGOs sort of got involved and went, 
actually, no, we want you to work for us because what you're doing uh, actually coincides with our messaging. So it kind of just all mm. blends in a melting pot. Um, but then, of course, the media got involved and said, it says Bloomberg, Washington Post and others published credulous stories in the spring of 2020 claiming that the CTI League was simply a group of volunteer cybersecurity experts. Its founders were a, quote, former Israeli intelligence official, uh, a Microsoft security manager, and the head of SecOps for DEFCON, uh, a hackers convention. Um, the articles claim that those highly skilled cybercrime professionals had decided to help billion-dollar hospitals on their own, on, sorry, on their own time without pay for strictly altruistic motives. Um, so yeah, kind of backs up what I yeah said, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, the MisinfoSec report advocates for sweeping government censorship and counter misinformation. During the first six months of 2019, the authors say they analyzed incidences, um, developed a reporting system, and shared their censorship vision with, quote, numerous state treaty and NGOs. I mean, personally, I think this comes onto like the line of uh, treasonous like activities, basically. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, but... Uh, yeah, the intelligence agencies should not be engaging in politics. No, at all. And anyone who does... I mean, yeah, firing isn't really good enough, is it? Because you've, you've got to make more of an example mm. of a person doing that to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Some kind of criminal charges do seem right. Yeah. Uh, it says, in every incident mentioned, the victims of misinformation were on the political left, and they included Barack Obama, John Podesta... Hillary Clinton and Emmanuel Macron. The report was open about the fact that its motivation for counter misinformation were the twin political earthquakes of 2016, Brexit and the election of Trump. The report focused on information that changes beliefs through narratives and recommended a way to counter misinformation by attacking specific links in a certain, sorry, in a kill chain or influence chain from misinfo incident. Uh, before it becomes a full-blown narrative. So trying to sweep in, grab that narrative and trying to change that before it's fully fledged. The report laments that governments and corporate media no longer have full control of information. Quote, for a long time, the ability to reach mass audiences belonged to the nation state. For example, in the USA via broadcast licensing through ABC, CBS and NBC. And it says, now, however, control of informational instruments has been allowed to devolve to large techno technology companies who have been blissfully complacent and complicit in facilitating access to the public for information operators at a fraction of what it has, sorry, of what it would have cost them by other means. And the authors advocate for police, military, an intelligence involvement in censorship across five eyes nations and even suggested that Interpol should be involved. So quite clearly, probably the biggest PSYOP operations we have seen in a long, long time, if, if not ever, I would say. Do they claim um, any achievements in this? Because I know this is just Schellenberger telling us what he's read. Mm. Which he seems like a guy we can trust because he's yeah. wrong before or misled anyone. Mm. But does he say that there's any actual uh, achievements they list as like, oh, we were able to counter counter this narrative or that narrative? 
Well, he ends it, which I was going to bring up at the end, um, that he put out a tweet that he's going to uh, provide a testimony today in Congress to present all the information given um, because he's been in and out of court recently. I think RFK has been involved as well with this um, censorship, censorship industrial complex. So I think we're going to see more of, of how they're going to actually sort this out or rectify this. So I think stay tuned for now. Um, but it says, despite their confidence in uh, the legality of their activities, some CTIL members have, uh, uh, may have taken extreme measures to keep their identities a secret. The group's handbook recommends using burner phones, creating uh, pseudonymous uh, identities, and generating fake AI faces using the quote, this person does not exist website. Uh, in June 2020, the whistleblower says the secretive group took actions to conceal their, their activities even more. And uh, this is, if I just go forward, this is what uh, Schellenberger tweeted last. Uh, so here it is. It says, to end on that, it says, I look forward to providing testimony to Congress this Thursday, which I believe is today. Yep. Um, about the, cen the censorship industrial complex's clear and present threat to the United States of America and other liberal democratic Western countries and how we can shut it down. So hopefully we're going to see a big win very soon because even though that this information is, is starting to really trickle out and we're seeing more and more, hopefully something will be done about it. Uh, and of course, testifying... Uh, or presenting the threat to, uh, well, the testimony to Congress. Hopefully, we're going to see some. Uh, Does uh, he have any uh, idea of uh, what, how this could be done, or something? I mean, technically speaking, it's not his job. I'm just asking. Mm. If uh, you've seen any of his tweets, has he written more about it, or? So, if you go through this thread, which you can find, I mean, he outlines most of the article anyway. Mm. Um, Volunteer, former government agency. Yeah, we just read that one out. Hogwarts School of Misinformation. <laughs> they always have to go back to bloody Harry Potter. They, they do, don't they? They love it. SJ called us the Hogwarts School of Misinformation and Disinformation, said the whistleblower. They were superheroes in their own story, and to that effect, you could still find comic books on the CISA website. <laughs> but yet yeah, more information. country. <laughs> what I decided to do, I decided to just take out the, the brief notes from this big article that you can check out yourself and what Schellenberger has actually announced. But I think it's progress uh, to hopefully finding uh, a resolution to this and to, of course, sort of expose this a lot more. So I thought it would be an incredibly important uh, segment to have for people that hadn't seen it just yet. Oh, so, yeah. Well. There you go. Because on that, we're moving to liberation. Okay, do I need uh, to have the... The mouse? The mouse or not? I, I don't know if you do. It might not reach. because It's okay, it's okay. Leave it. Okay. I, I will help you if need So be. basically, I want to lighten up things a bit. Yeah, sorry okay. about that. Because uh, <laughs> lately we hear all sorts of bad... <laughs> <laughs> I can see what's coming, boys. <laughs> yeah, I wanted us to lighten up things. So basically, I'm, I want to think that... I want to say that 2023 and 2024 in the progressive calendar are going to be the years of fat liberation because I think that 2023, the, the Academy Award for Best Leading Actor went to, to Brendan Fraser for The Whale. 
Have uh, you watched The Whale? My boy. Have you watched The Whale? No, but Brendan deserves better. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I won't say basically that it's a very weird movie for several reasons. I think it's completely moral, by the way. And uh, the message is just basically it's someone who ran off. He ditched his daughter and uh, he wanted to live uh, life with his boyfriend. The boyfriend died. At some point said that basically the only thing I'm going to do good in my life is to give money to my daughter and not be in her life or things like that. Anyway, just weird. And the other weird thing about it, it was that there was a scene where it had very epic music and you would expect something really epic to to be seen. And he was basically consuming two jumbo pizza slices, one on top of the other, squeezing some mayo on top of it. And, you know, it, it was a weird movie. Anyway, let's go to, <laughs> let's read this tweet and it, and it says, a plus-sized model has gone viral on TikTok after posting a video claiming that it's discrimination that they cannot build wider airplanes. Do you agree or disagree with the statement? I mean, it's a, it's a security risk for herself, really, not to be rude. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just asking. We're listening. We're looking at the fattest arse in all of humanity. I mean, it really is the size of a hippo. And that's not a, a cruel judgment. I'm, I'm using that as a metric to try and tell you the facts. And she can't fit walking down the aisle, of course. So she has to go sideways. But like imagine, you're trying to pass someone in a corridor. <laughs> imagine if they say it's racist. If you don't have a house door that is like a gate, it's racist. Right. And anyway. so if my plane isn't big enough for hippos, then... Anyway, this has been a, a perennial theme, but I think the fact that... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, someone in the chat <laughs> just went fly cargo. <laughs> anyway, let, let's move to the next uh, clip because I want to show that this has been a perennial concern that people have. And anyway... Mm. No, sorry, let's go. Can we go? You want to get back to the uh, stuff? Yeah. There we are. Oops, yeah, okay. It. Anyway, so it says that this has been an issue since 2016 and before. We have all sorts of claims here about people saying that at 3 a.m. I fantasize about what could happen to spare me from the humiliation that feels destined to happen. And what we have here... <laughs> Do you, does anyone have any ideas? I don't know. What, what no. could happen to spare and her it's from... Just, it's an article <laughs> written that says basically I'm the fat person sitting next to you on a plane and the whole question is oh you know, well, it's you you're the victim do, really uh, do you know what it feels like to oh. to be the person sat next to you and it says here southwest airlines famously let director kevin smith board then publicly escorted him off the plane for looking too fat for his seat united will refuse to board you unless you agree to purchase an additional ticket at the day of price and who has six hundred dollars to spare that's by 2016, I must say. So, yeah, I mean, there, there are, it, it talks about issues that uh, are in the forefront of concern for the fat liberation front that some people are asked to pay for a double fee if they can't feed on one seat. I have a solution. What is it? Lose weight. Yeah, but... You obese mother... Like, what are you doing <laughs> with your life? I'm sorry, when you are that large that you I, take up I two don't know, seats. Callum, may, maybe you're too harsh. Maybe you're too. I, I really don't think I am. Uh, I think I think being the size of a human is a pretty reasonable demand yes. of humanity. Yeah, but let's just look at the other perspective. Okay. Because there are okay. always two sides. I, I have in the past, but we'll yeah, try again. Look at what Sarah, the fat culture critic, said. She literally calls herself the fat culture critic. Okay. The, the most comfortable I have ever right, been trying. on a plane is when I sat next to a fellow fat woman. We were a bit squished, but neither of us had to worry about a person reacting uh. to beer 
near a fat body. What about the guy in the middle between you two? You, you <laughs> yeah, yeah, the middle seat. <laughs> the suffocated noise between your roles. So just... Anyway, so we need to look right now what Colorado did against fat phobia. So America's healthiest state, Colorado, is set to ban fat phobia. This is from the 27th of November. So it... if we look at these images here, lawmakers in America's healthiest state, Colorado, are plotting to pass legislation. I like the plotting. <laughs> as plotting. It, as if it's something, if it's something weird, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we shall import the fatties. <laughs> in dark corridors of, the, of power. They're plotting to pass legislation to ban fat phobia in order to prevent employers to, and housing providers from discrimination against... Sorry, well, they're not fitting in the houses anymore. Yeah, yeah that, that's why I talked to you about a gate before. Because if it is discrimination, if you cannot oh, walk no. down the airplane, ayo. Yeah. It may, the same thing happens if you cannot walk into a house. But Callum, I, you, have a, you have a house that I cannot enter. I, That's I, racist. I'm so sorry that I have a front door, not a front gate. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh. it says the move comes as New York enacted a similar law last week as obesity rates continue to soar across the U.S. Other states, they have... Let us look at these rates here. It says U.S. states with adult obesity rates above 30% in 2011. Well, they checked just 12 states. All of them were just under 30%. But do you see how obesity is rising? Yeah. Sorry, why is that a metric? Sorry, the, the only 30th percent of the population are obese. That's... I'm sorry, America. It's that, that's that, that is massive. not how we should. Yeah, that's, that's, not. You're not the, that's not the baseline. No. The baseline is not obese. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Statistical some, analysis from the United States. Well, obviously, so, 30% of the population are obese, but they're not. Uh, <laughs> okay, but United Callum, the UK has an obesity rate of around 25%. We do. So you need to bear that in mind as well. That's also not a baseline per capita. Yeah. Now, I, I must say that I'd be absolutely pissed off if someone served that to me because the chip portion isn't enough. That's my that's that's def, that, that's a no go for me. Okay, I'm pissed off if people don't give me a, a good portion of chips. Well, with the burgers, yeah, you are right. <laughs> no, I just I wanted to say this because it has to be said. I love you reading this article. It's my truth. That's... It's my truth. <laughs> now, it says here the most obese state in the U.S. is West Virginia, boasting a rate of. 71%. Jesus Christ. 71%? 71%. Sorry. That of can't West be Virginia right. That can't be right. Surely. Anyway, it says closely followed by Louisiana, Mississippi, and Oklahoma. <laughs> anyway, so there's a lot, a, a lot of issue there. Sorry, here. So, sorry, no. 71% of West Virginia are obese. I mean, what's the population of West Virginia? I don't know, but I'm gonna, I don't I'm know about it. I mean, geez, I mean, no wonder they're thinking these places. Whatever it is, they think the average size of a human is obese. One point seven million. Oh, sorry, that's twenty twenty one. No, it is shocking. And let's see here. It says in New York, some business leaders expressed opposition to the legislation. Anyway, I mean, no one cares. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tigress Osborne, the chair of the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance, said New oh, York... Oh, fuck! <laughs> Sorry. The NAACP for fatties. Callum, we live in 2020. <laughs> yeah, don't be a bigot, bro. And soon... <laughs> soon we... I was born 300 pounds, I tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> soon, soon we will be living in 2024. 
Can't help my bad genetics. Bro. Okay. So it says New York City's weight discrimination ban should serve as a model for the nation and the world. Osborne said that the city adoption oh. of the new ordinance Ash, will ripple across the globe. Is it? Look at that. Oh, honestly, it's just so U.S. specific. It says Osborne said the city's adoption of the new ordinance will ripple across the globe and show that discrimination against people based on their body size is wrong and is something that we can change. I hate uh, American imperialism. Imagine talking about <laughs> imagine talking about countries where there isn't so much obesity, and you know that's yeah. the main thing now. So the, the new UN Sustainable Development Goal is no yeah. fat phobia. Yeah. So they've got into Sudan. Yeah. And it's all the. Can we see this oh, map here? Yeah. It's this one below. Wow. Look. For some reason, it says the healthiest state. The is hell are they California. eating in West Virginia? Seriously. Yeah. Because that's even weird for America, as you can see there. Like, what the hell is going on? I've got to go to West Virginia. I want to see what they're putting in the water. That's yeah. corn syrup, presumably. You, you need to have the lovely song, Who Is It, that says, Country Road, Take Me Home. Yeah, we're going to say like 50 pounds of fat on you now. <laughs> <laughs> and just, Gargle I wanted it. to say this because it's important. It shows how, you know, it's maybe you're a doctor and you can't stand up. It says the state was dealing with a case of a nearly 400 pound I just, doctor. I'm who confused. Said she was fired from the... I'm sorry. I'm, Cal, just... I'm laughing because you were laughing. A okay. 400-pound doctor said she was fired from the emergency room for being too fat, and that's her discrimination case. I mean, I have a right to be 400 pounds, boy. <laughs> you know, by the way, you know, by the way, there's a, a heart attack burger that if you weigh more than 350 kilo, um, pounds or something, you eat there for free. And if you and if you don't, you have some <laughs> waitresses dressed as nurses who spank you. Mm. It's a weird thing. I'll it's send in Las you Vegas, stuff. I think. So they right? have the the they have only eight burgers. It's the bypass burger, the double bypass, triple, and it goes to the octopo bypass, which is something like twenty thousand calories or something. Well, I going back up there because I believe that's Las Vegas, and like Nevada's not doing too bad, frankly. They know it's a joke. I mean, West Virginia took it literally. You should be eating the bypass burgers. Let's move to a segment. So the question is: Are there duties to oneself? If you have a duty to maintain health, the four hundred pound doctor. Yes, and victim. Yes, and also get a Lotus Eaters <laughs> subscription. I think it's four hundred pounds. Visit a visit a website with only five pounds a month. You can gain access to all our premium content and check out Kant's ethics. He's talking about moral obligations, especially to to ourselves and others. Mm. So it's an interesting thing, and we also have another feature with one point eighty nine pounds you can uh, buy individual pieces of content but do consider the subscription because it's much better you get more out of it now let's go here because i want us to sh i want to show you can i interrupt you one more time i'm so sorry but um i don't know if you learned to think in stone yet because i know it's a british thing but she's 28 and a half stone oh dude that so, is that's where is that in kilograms? That's, that's 181 kilograms. So, Dude. in order for fat liberation to go forward, the fashion industry needs to be reformed. Okay? The, because the fashion industry... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. So, I want to show you the evil photographer of last year and the evil model of this year. Okay? So, here we go. This is from last year. It says, New York photographer is slammed as fatphobic for charging plus-size models $100 more for test shoots, claiming it is more difficult to find them designer clothes. And it shows here. So I'm just... Where is it? It Do says... Do pictures of the bed? 
Hi, yes. Megan. It's nice to e-meet you. I hope all e-meet. is well. E-meet. No. Our rates no, are as follows. that. Standard, $950 plus slash curvy, $1,050. Just right, fat bastard. <laughs> Why are you writing plus slash curvy? I'm more offended at e-meet. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, that's... so basically that's, that's a really bad photographer, evil photographer. Well, that's the bad person here. Yeah, All right. Yeah. of last year. Now, I want to Lady, talk about... Maybe I've got to get a wide-angle lens. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just... You literally don't fill the screen, love. I, I want to talk about the evil model of this year. You know, Emily, do you know the, who I'm talking about? No. Lois, do you have an idea? No. It's well, not going to be a lady, is it? It's going to be Emily Ratajkowski. Oh, yes, I so, know, I know. What's wrong with her? She, she had this picture. Massive okay. leftist, like proper Yeah, and w- what do you see here? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a. She's it's a, never been that size. I don't think it's a skinny woman with some trousers on that are meant for a large person. Yeah. So basically, they say this this is incredibly fat phobic and it needs to be um, set out in the open. She she's evil. Did she used to be that large? No. Nope. So she's just making fun of subway commercials there. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. It's it's or saying or slyly saying. Might need to lose some pounds. I lost all this weight by just not being fat. Yeah. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> and look at me some more. <laughs> yeah. They oh, say the intention expensive. of this image isn't immediately clear. Is M Magazine, a French publication, simply hoping to have Ratakowski mock the baggy denim trend? That's a question. Anyway, let's move forward. This was news at the Hindustan Times. Some reason, now it's a massive global issue. <laughs> That's why I told you it's, as you said, it's cultural imperialism. Yeah. The Hindustan Times write fans blast Emily Ratajkowski's fat phobic photo shoot so out of touch and ignorant. Of course. Yeah. So I want us to. Oh yes, to the I've third seen this. Section <laughs> of you know, th- there's progressivist brainstorming about what are the causes of fat phobia. So we have this person here. It's a PayPal me. Ashley the lion. Now, if you call it a lioness, you know, she's going to say, no, that's five phobic or something. Anyway, she says diversity, intersectionality, minorities, equality, equity, people of color, safe space, white privilege, capitalism, racism, something else that maybe we don't see because it's the person there, his head. It says all white people are racist. PayPal me, Ashley the lion. Yeah, that's, <laughs> now we have, Critical pepper theory, the same person. And now we go to the mo- more, you know, nuanced takes. Mm. Okay. We have here uh, Victoria Wellsby. She Mechanisms. Is an, of- yeah. And I want us to basically click on the, on this, if we can, on the mechanism of anti-fatness, because this is where the heavy conceptual machinery and heavy conceptual work is doing. What are the causes without looking at the screen, without looking at the okay, screen? Okay. Okay. okay? What was the input? What is anti-fatness made up of? Fat. Fat. Fat and? Just pure repulsiveness, probably. Cakes. Okay, both of you are wrong. Bread. Both of you are wrong. You, you just try to... What's well, called? Cool. You try so to oversimplify me. a very complex issue. So, so, so listen why do to people hate being fat? Or why so do why people hate, hate fat people? Is that... So... The NHS? The anti-fatness <laughs> is made up of Anti-black ah. racism. That's ah, racism, of course it is. Healthism. What? Morality. Ableism. Capitalism. Ableism. Morality. <laughs> Sorry, morality. 
Yeah. Have you also held? Sorry. So your morality <laughs> is the mechanism of being anti-fat. <laughs> because you have morals, you hate fat people. Yeah. Well, I suppose so. I don't have fat. Oh, well, I've got want? morality. <laughs> I'm telling you that you're fat and you're offended by it, but that's morality. Oh. So it's it's oh, this God. dangerous mix where you insert morality into everything. Okay? It's oh. a bad thing, maybe, according to this person. So Those hashtags. Anti-black racism. Healthism. Morality, capitalism, and ableism. Now, question is, can't you, can, cannot someone be fatphobic against white people? Because according to this <laughs> definition, it can't be because a necessary ingredient is anti-black racism. Right. You can't be anti-black racist to white people. So fat white people are actually not part of the conversation. Sorry. Most probably. And, and that's a white person. Sorry, the mental gymnastics here. Capitalism yeah. is one of the me mechanisms for anti-fatness. Surely, no, no. That's, like, go on. That's why, if we had socialism, there'd be no fat people. That's very true. <laughs> no, okay, you got me there. Because I was going to say, capitalism would, you could argue, fuels fatness. Yeah, you you sell more you food. Yeah, you sell more consumer food and stuff. Consumer by anti-fat. There's no fat. That's yeah. True. So, have you heard also the the term healthism? Healthism. Yeah, it's my, honestly, I must say, no, look at this. It says healthism. Now. It's my first time staring at this term, and I feel honored. <laughs> it's healthism. I want to make some banners. So PTs, personal trainers, are uh, yeah. part of this healthism. I'm, I'm imagining a movement that's got like the Nazi banner, except not the swastika, <laughs> but an apple in the middle of it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's an episode of Rick and Morty, actually, but never mind. It's <laughs> and the output set is. The belief we all know fat people are unhealthy. Healthcare held hostage, non evidence based. Weight loss surgery, pills, and diets. The beauty ideal, thin, young, white, non disabled. Infrastructure inaccessible. Chairs, airplane seats. <laughs> Health, moral superiority. Wellness initiative at works, at work. Lifelong customers for weight loss products. Why is that specifically bad? Lifelong customers for weight loss products. Policies to erase fat non slash non-compliant bodies. Anyway. Your body is non-compliant. <laughs> no, like, you don't fit in the seat. Your yeah, but it's, it's really weird because among other things, you know, among all other things, it's morality that is being blamed for fat phobia of course. by fat, cat, fat activists. You, I thought you were going to say something yeah. else then. Anyway, I just... I just Clicked on that website here, and it says um, it's Welby's website. It says thanks for coming to spend time with oh, me. Oh, hi there, fatty! I'm so glad you okay. came. Hey, I'm Vini. They, oh, I'm sorry, a non-binary fatty. Of course you are. Of course. And but but uh, that is weird because just... how is that supposed to help and be uplifting? If, no, if someone calls excuse. you fatty, let's politicize being unhealthy. Brilliant. And anyway, it's that'll go what down was well. It here, yeah, it has all sorts of. Anyway, want to feel more confident in your in your body and stuff like that. Anyway, she she's talking about yes, go to the gym. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I want to say something now because th there's an issue here, and I think that this is ultimately where the woke agenda is moving. Okay, some people, some of my colleagues think think it is the the problem of autonomy. I don't think it's so much an issue of autonomy. I think there's an idea of autonomy because if you're thinking of autonomy as being something that is an irreducibly individual pursuit then you not, don't need the whole of society to cheer you and say, okay, yeah, yeah, we support you, we support you, we support you. So if you want the government to constantly force upon people a kind of 
rule that says that they constantly need to clap anywhere, anything you do, then you have a problem and you will never be psychologically liberated. If you want to be psychologically liberated, you have to work on yourself. You either try to lose weight or you have to you try to accept things. Okay, but just calling calling the government to do this is not helping. Okay? And this is ultimately where woke divide and conquer strategy is because at the end of the day the common denominator is we are told that we constantly need a government to intervene and allow us to coexist. We're constantly fed up this lie that unless the government imposes very strict rules that to a very large extent are really bad, especially for native ma- the native male population, we can't coexist and there's no society. And the whole thing will, will break down. So that's nonsense. Okay? It's simple. If you wanna if you wanna improve your life, you do you improve your life. The rest is cool. Fair enough. I suppose on uh, that uh, we'll end. And we'll who end. is this gentleman over there? And that'll be for that's the, me. That'll be for the end, which we we uh, promote. But I, I wanted to add something that can't go on YouTube because there's some robot will get all sweet about it. I've put in Studio One, John, because I was thinking I've seen that before. What I was thinking about, which is healthism over here, yeah. being some kind of like Nazi ideology for apples or something. I remind it. It turns out the German Apple Front is actually a real thing. So what? I don't know if people heard about this before. I remember reading about it. What? It's a parody of neo-Nazism that was set up by some German. <laughs> and as you can see, this is their flag. <laughs> it's Front Deutsches Apfel, and they have rallies where they all meet up. Oh no! And tell you about the superiority of German apples and why you should only support German apples. There you are. They have key demands: termination of over foreignization of German fruit. There we are. Closing the borders you need, against you need, German fruits. You need fruits. to do it with an Arnie accent. You know, termination. So this is German. Yeah. <laughs> the elimination of lazy and rotten windfall. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But they're, uh, they're a parody group of fascism. But I, I can see... I, I want to convince the fat activists this is actually healthism. Yeah. And then have them being like, we <laughs> yeah. stand against fascist healthism because yes. they are stupid enough to fall for it. True. But on that note, we shall go to the video comments, I suppose, and uh, enjoy that. So. Or is this a second video? Uh, of no, that, that was a yeah, another video, but it, it doesn't matter. Let's okay. get to the next one. Callum was asking about a Christmas market, and it's right there behind me. I will say it's nice, but it's not Lübeck. I, too, read that it was the greatest Christmas market in Europe, and um, it's not. It's really nice, but it's not a winter magical wonderland like Lübeck, but still nice. I'm going to show you some footage, okay? Oh, thank you, Sophie. That is warming to the heart to see. Very wholesome. It also means I don't feel too bad on missing out. I guess I'll go to Lubick next and uh, enjoy Christmas. Otherwise, let's go to the next one. So one thing that uh, is probably going to continue to happen, like the Polaroid stuff, is just trade secrets. And we're going to lose a lot of information because they're trade secrets, not because people have forgotten it. And... um, And that's why I'm a big advocate for open source stuff, because open source information allows us all to see it and work with it, and it won't be lost. All right, then. Keep your secrets. All right, fair enough. Back on. Well, on the comments, um, we shall move forward. So first and foremost, we have something just general, which is Alex Ogle says, Sorry for interrupting the stream. Lewis, you were right. Your section overlaps with a book I'm reading by Joseph Strumper called Capitalism, Socialism, and Democracy. I think I'll have Schumpeter. to... 
I imagine. I think I'll have to start over my 30-second book clubs again as they are very relevant to what you are stating about big business in the state. Apology accepted. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Thank you, though. It's very sweet. I, I did get a bit wondered then. I was like, oh, no, there's that crossover period in American politics. Yeah, because you, you, they say, like, Trump 2024, but you won't be put in until... Yeah. yeah. So that's where the confusion... Uh, America. Yeah. So on Ireland, uh, Baron von Warhawk says... Never attribute to malice. That can be adequately explained by stupidity. This Irish business proves without a shadow of a doubt that their motivation of these politicians is pure malice. How else can you explain them defending child stabbers whilst attacking those who want less child stabbing? The mask is gone. These people hate you and want to see you and your children dead. Yeah? Mm. I think it's probably true in this case. Mm. Arizona Desert Rat says, So Musk cares more about people saying what's on their minds than about money. What a novel idea. Yeah, he is actually a hero in my mind for all of his flaws and everyone has them. Um, I'm sorry, no one has done more good with the resources they've been given than him. There are very few people with that level of resources. I mean, I've been looking through recently the richest people in the world and you, you find out they've got the same or bigger wealth than like all of Bulgaria. <laughs> and then they just do evil. Yeah. As he says. Sergey Brin there. And then you have someone who comes along and does something good. And it's like, okay. Yeah. He's a good guy. Overall. MC <laughs> says, during our oppression, we still maintained our white privilege. Might be the most vile and blatant example of doublespeak I've ever heard. Mm. And that's <laughs> that <is> so true. <laughs> you just sat there like, we're walking into the death camps. Well, at least we've got white privilege. <laughs> at least I'm white. Okay. Okay, polls. Bye-bye, polls. <laughs> Arizona Desert Rat says, Bleh, self-flagging is so nauseating, you can't help the color of your skin. Stop degrading yourselves about the color of your skin and stop degrading others over the color of their skin. Good advice. Can't really go wrong with that. That's Texas Girl says, The dour seriousness of people talking about mean words on social media is peak clown world for me. Yeah, true. True. And uh, I'll end this section off and then hand over to Schellenberg and stuff with Sophie Liv, who does say just the fact that this is happening in the shadow of the Palestine protest, where the reason given is nearly identical, just shows the hypocrisy of these people. Yeah, I don't really know what to do with the whole Irish, we love Palestine stuff. I mean, they just need to put that away. That needs to go in the bin. It's, it, you been to Northern Ireland? No, I, it's on my list to go, though. I'd love to go. It's, there's this peace wall that gets talked about a lot. Mm. And I went and saw it. Uh, oh, really? Okay. And it separated the Catholics from the Protestants back in the day. And now it's still there. But it's just the gates are gone. So you can drive through without going mm -hmm. through a checkpoint. And on the Protestant side, uh, sorry, on the Catholic side, I approached first. And there's all this stuff about Palestine. And there are about three things about the Irish. It's like really? one memorial to the Bob Bobby Sands. Right, yeah, yeah. One to the IRA in general and one about Catholic Ireland. But every other mural is about Palestine. Palestine or Kurdistan? Mm. Like, what the fuck is I, this? I, I've been seeing a lot of people online have been drawing comparisons between Palestine and um, uh, the okay. Troubles and, and Northern Ireland, which is fascinating in a, in a weird way. Well, um, I, I sort of get the initial argument. Yeah, I just... But in the modern world, that's yeah, mad. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's equally mad when you go over to the Protestant side. You, you'll yeah. see it if you go. There's just endless stuff. There's like three things about England and mm. the Union and the empire and then there's just loads of stuff about Israel yeah yeah so well this that's fight? yeah it's it's a strange sort of split isn't it it's just so it's so strange I, I 
these are unique points in history and it's annoying to see. It's like when people always use the World War II argument uh, or, or you'd be Neville Chamberlain or whatever if you, yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah, do you know what? You've got low IQ. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's really just annoying. And I, it's just, I, I don't get it. You either. don't have to endlessly compare your own yeah. situation with something else. Maybe I agree. you have something unique and we could do the merits and mm. whatnot of that. Yeah. Sorry. Just... Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree yeah. with you. Uh, we'll move on to Schellenberger. Um, I need to bring this up somehow because I don't have... Oh, do you not have the thing? Yeah. Oh, bugger, my apologies. That's all right, mate. Oh, John is fixing it for me. Thank you, ah, John. You are thank you very much. Saint indeed. Thank you very, very much. Um, I'll hand you a mouse. Ah, very kind, sir. Thank you very much. Um, start with this one. Ammo. Yep. Ammo is currency, $5. Sitting next to her, I'd feel like George Floyd. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I think that might be in reference to the fat phobia stuff. Oh, you possibly. <laughs> okay. I um, can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I just got it. Okay. <laughs> I just got it. Penny dropped. Um, Sophie Liv, uh, in the name of democracy, we must stop democracy. The government who is here to help you, so you trust them for the greater good. Uh, Lord uh, Nerevar says, uh, it's nice to have things that are obvious officially confirmed, isn't it? Like, obviously, the amount of censorship we're seeing has been planned, but it's nice to have the receipts as well. Exactly. Uh, Adam Hack Davis, Schellenberger Files. Uh, I do not think anything can be done legally. Uh, the, will, um, the will have the justice systems uh, protect, protecting them. Sorry. Uh, I don't want mob ju justice, but you have to wonder if this is the only way we will ever make things better. Well, obviously, today we have uh, the congressional testimony from Schellenberger. So hopefully we're going to see something at least. Um, but if not, I see it as a good thing because it just confirms. We need confirmation sometimes. We don't like being left in the dark. So that's kind of the point of why I brought it up today. Um, uh, Crumpets, good name, uh, says, a terrifying University of Adelaide study found that 80% of tweets at the start of the Russia-Ukraine war were done by bots. Uh, the people you argue with on social media are ghosts. I recommend the Unraveling Podcast 37 Battle of Ideas for an excellent overview of why Elon's uh, acquisition of Twitter caused such out outrage. It's very good. I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, Rick Archer says, The biggest threats are, as always, the people realizing what is actually going on. After all, criminals cannot operate in the open when people still oppose immoral acts, uh, when the lawmakers make it illegal to notice their illegal dealings. Uh, it is the duty of the people to stop them. Otherwise, we will deserve everything we get. Uh, Crumpets, once again, good name. Uh, a terrifying University of Adelaide. Oh, it's the same one. Same one. Okay. No worries. Uh, Sam Weston says, so Lewis, so, Lewis, am I right in thinking that wrong facts simply means actual facts we don't want the public to know? <clears throat> you are indeed correct. Completely correct. And uh, Rue the Day, I might enjoy a little exclusion, actually. In fact, I insist on being excluded uh, from having my precious little fifis protected at all times and all places. Where is the petition? That's a good point. Okay. So let's go to the comments for Fat Liberation this is Front. This I'm waiting for, I'll be honest. Yeah. What? This is the one I'm waiting for. Yeah. <clears throat> one thing to say, because I saw some comments about my outfit, I think that this is more of a jolly outfit for jolly segments. Okay. Now, Ruth the Day. Thank you, Stelios. Oh, jolly. <laughs> <laughs> 
in a jolly manner. All right. Okay, so Ruda Day. Thank you, Stelios. Really needed this today. You're welcome. Dragonhawk <coughs> Red. I'm a fat person. I don't want fat acceptance. I simply want to be left alone while I struggle to lose weight. Airplanes need to be made efficiently both in aerodynamics and cost, not made to accommodate the morbidly obese. I believe all this fat liberation malarkey is part of the plan of the elites to keep us all weak yeah, and sick. I agree. And people are stupid enough to buy into it as a compassion. I agree with you. And I must say, I also had weight issues in the past, and I think you're on the right track. That's the mindset. Can I tell you something about planes? You might find it interesting. I, f I like planes, generally speaking. Uh, do they have guns? <laughs> no, What's the, um, their ammo? <laughs> there was a Japanese airline that wanted to save money. Yeah. So, because we're all thinking about, well, he's, you know, three times my size and he paid the same price for the ticket. Come on, how much fuel is he using exactly? True. So, a Japanese airline, they, in a plot to save money, were not only reducing like one olive to every meal and whatnot, they asked all of the customers on the flights to go to the bathroom. Yeah. beforehand and they make this announcement for every flight for a few months and they managed to save like tens of thousands of dollars wow on their flights so if that's just you going to the toilet could you imagine how much your ticket prices are being increased yeah just because you're allowing everyone to be a fat bastard i mean that woman there how much is she putting up the ticket price of everyone around her like i'd like to that's actually do a little good. Analysis. That, that, yeah. was, that was a lovely video by the way. yeah she made it I think she made it. <laughs> Achievement, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. But I would love if someone could do that. Someone smart. They just sit down and be like, you know, there's this many seats. She weighs this much. How much fuel is she using? You know, how much extra do I have to charge everyone else in a dollar term just because of her inability to function like a normal human? Right. Furious Dan. Of course, it costs more to photograph fatties. Finding the right angle has travel expenses. That's me. <laughs> Good joke. <laughs> yeah. Hector Rex, th Stelios, thank you for the segment. It was a palate cleanser after all the black pills this week. <laughs> Screw tape lasers. The obesity rates in rural America are insane. The young people are the healthiest, heartiest stock in America, but something happens to them after college and they're all obese by 30. Seed oils. You think, you think so? Yeah, I reckon <clears throat> so. Or a factor, big factor. I'd like to do how more do investigative stuff. How, do, how, do they, how does this work? What, seed oils? Yeah. You just put them in everything. Yeah. They just I mean, they the, put it in absolutely yeah. everything. Bloody bread has yeah, has Yeah. You need yeah. Greek olive oil. Just, <laughs> yeah, probably. Greek olive. This is your pitch, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Trying Americans. To save Greek the Greek economy. Oil. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, just yeah. sell you all this oil. Yeah. And then you can not be fat bastards. That's... <laughs> Baron von Warhawk. I'm at uh, a West Virginia college called Marshall University. That article is right. I see fat people all the time. I saw one of my classmates get visibly angry when the Chick-fil A on campus didn't give him the pitch shake. <laughs> All he had to eat was his two fried chicken sandwiches, two large fries and a large soda. There are fast food places all over the place and because of the lack of jobs after <laughs> Sorry, that that has to be it's a, there are fast food places all over the place and because of the lack of jobs after the coal mines closed, all the population can eat is sugar-coated, cheap garbage. I love the idea that this guy literally did the big smoke thing. He was like, I have two number nines, a number nine large, but they missed out my large soda. That's <laughs> like, okay. I had a deja vu now for some reason. I don't know why, I just want to say it. Yeah, but it's, it's like, you, you remember... The uh, sixth sense with Bruce Willis, mm. where it says, "You know, I see, I see, see dead, dead people." people. <laughs> He's in West Virginia version. I see obese people. <laughs> it's that must be boring. terrifying. Just as a, yeah. 
Because I used to, I have this uh, Yankee mate from um, Maryland as well. He's not even from West Virginia. And he'd come back to uh, the university. And every time he'd come back, we'd meet up. And every single time without fail, the first words out of his mouth weren't hello. It was, my God, America is a fat country. But he would just come back every time and be like, I forgot how fat we were. And you could see Maryland wasn't that bad. I can't comprehend. Because with like Kuwait or Samoa, yeah. okay, well, you're a meme country. Of course, you're all bloody twenty stone. <laughs> but West Virginia, I mean, it's fun. But they were saying also that you know Trump was one of the first uh, obese presidents. They were saying, and he constantly had Big Macs arriving at the house. Anyway. You know about the Diet Coke button? <laughs> the no. Diet Coke button. I think yeah, I've heard so of Trump had a, a yeah. big red button installed yeah. on his desk. I just wouldn't tell people what it what it did. Yeah, and then get them to press it to mess with them, and all it did was just itself a light. And some guy would walk in with a Diet Coke. That was it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Bon Gunda first. As for awesome. the fat lady on the plane, at least she was flying first class and not expecting a free seat from the airline. Well, she was walking back. So she was get it through first <laughs> class. So she's probably right at the back. Ramshackle Otter. I have always struggled with my weight. I have PCOs and have to work hard to remain nearly overweight and not obese. Fat people are not happy. Being fat is bad for you in so many ways. Smokers get demonized and threatened with removal of healthcare, just as people who didn't get the clot shot, I mean, an entirely safe and effective vaccine. Encouraging people to remain fat is cruel. They've got the fat pill, haven't they? You heard about that? No? Yeah. Yeah. You heard about What's that? This? I have many fat new, pills. They're trying to introduce a fat pill that helps you lose weight. Yeah. But it's like, that to me is just scary. <laughs> like, the idea of taking a pill and you just completely shed, apparently. Obviously, going to do damage. That, that's obviously, obviously going to that's do obviously going to obviously appeals to the principle of minimum effort. It doesn't. Yes. It doesn't. But where does it go? Because you lose weight through breathing. It's true. Yeah, uh, there are some stories. So you just of, constantly. I lost like, some weight during this podcast. Like you're on heroin the whole time. Or <laughs> I think there was a pill called Zenical. I think that it had some weird. It was really fast, but it had some weird ramifications. I don't know if they improved it. Anyway, Captain Charlie the Beagle. Regarding fat liberation, monks used to have the right idea in their abbeys. They built the fasting doors. Doors were built narrow, and you couldn't walk through. It meant you had to fast to be able to. Fair enough. I think we should bring them back. The only exception should be gyms. Shouldn't be the other way around so they could enter the fast rooms and fast. Mm. Just saying. Furious Dan, a plus-size model has gone viral on TikTok is a phrase that somehow encapsulates everything I hate about this century. <laughs> Maybe you should wait until my next segment. All right. Well, Dan I'll... Taylor, how can Colorado ban an irrational fear? I do love that. Yeah. I think I've probably told you before, but there's this line from um, Mike Tyson's Mysteries yeah. where... Uh, the comedian, the the bird. Fuck, what's his name? The bird. The, the bird. Mike Mike Tyson's mystery. I love that. No one's gonna know what the, I'm talking about. The, the the comedian. Um, not Nolan. Is it Nolan? Yeah, well, let's. Ah, uh, well, what anyway, are you? He, he he turns up and he's just like um, someone accuses him of homophobia and he goes, "Well, yeah, I'm homophobic. I don't. I can't feel what I feel." Because when you think about it, like if you do actually have an irrational fear of gay people or whatever, like why is that not a cause that could be added to the alphabet world? Because you know how they, you have people who are neurodiverse or right. and they're a protected class now. Why are homophobes legitimately not something that's like, well, you can't help it. Leave him alone. Of course he hates gay people. He's, he's just got a fear. That's, <laughs> see what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. Sean <laughs> Can I one last one by Omar Awad? <laughs> sure. He says, so much aid speech. I can't stomach it all. 
Well, you can yeah. Well, try. Yeah. Anyway, Norm Macdonald, people reminding me. Yeah, do go and ah. Norm if you haven't. I'll send you the clip later. Do it. But um, if people want to find more of you, Lewis, where would they? You'd find me on Twitter, Lewis underscore Brackpool. You can go and follow me there for me droning on about journalism, politics, culture, genders, being called a conspiracy theorist every day. Love I, I love how British people sell themselves. Yeah, it's so they, bad, they isn't don't. it? Yeah, I don't. Just <laughs> find out for yourself, really. Um, yeah, that or YouTube. Um, yeah, I haven't put out a video in a, in a while, but I plan to. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's so bad, isn't it? I'm know, so bad at pitching myself. You talk to an American and they would be like, I put out cutting edge journalism on my Twitter feed and of course put out brilliant content on my YouTube channel and then us, where it's just... It's like... I haven't posted in a while, but I will, I promise. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I've got lots to, for you to watch, for, for you to consume. There we so are. There you go. Enjoy your consumerism. There we are. Otherwise, I'm back in half an hour to um, chat shite. Likewise. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.